This is a Timmet podcast. This podcast is part of the series On the Marge. The title of this episode is Beer Hunter. Beer Hunter. The first law of dog is this. Dogs must protect their people through direct action and not let them come to harm through inaction. So it was only natural that I came to full alert when someone rattled the locked doorknob at the Walnut Crescent Bed and Breakfast. It was the middle of a warm night in late spring, and I immediately thought of the second law of dog, which is this. Dogs must do what their people want, except where this conflicts with the first law. But what do people want? Dogs have been puzzling over this for centuries. People are generally not very good at communication, and they sometimes say things they really don't mean. That could be really confusing, but any competent dog soon learns that people are slaves to habits and routines. By observing what people do, and only sometimes listening to what they say, dogs can figure out what people really want. In the case of their nighttime rattling doorknob, what would my people want me to do? Hmm, this could be a case of one of my people coming home late. But when that is going to happen, someone else always leaves a light on in the living room. This time the living room was dark, and anyway I knew for certain that Chuck, Mara, and Alex were all in the house, all in bed. This could be the case of one of our B&B guests getting home late from a long trip to Pharaoh, or from watching the Northern Lights. But in that case, they would have left their things in one of the B&B rooms. This time, we had no guests, and the B&B rooms were empty. This could be the case of a new B&B guest arriving on a late airplane. When that happens, we leave the front door unlocked, and Mara gets out fresh towels. No, the door was locked, and there were no towels. This did not fit any known pattern of human behavior, so it was clear to me what I should do. I got up and barked my bark that meant, I have encountered an unusual situation. That brought Chuck groggily out of bed. He came and looked around. We stared out the window together. But by then, whoever had rattled the doorknob had disappeared. What was it, Quirk? Not the fox again, I hope. I made gestures toward the front door walking towards it and looking up, pointing at the knob with my nose. I repeated that several times, but Chuck didn't understand. People have their uses, but they don't often understand simple communications. Okay, well, you let me know if there's anything else, said Chuck, as he went back to bed. I felt a bit embarrassed that I had gotten Chuck up for nothing, but what's a dog to do? So I stayed awake just in case something else happened. And good thing, too. After the moon in the front window had moved over a tree or two, I heard a vehicle slow down and stop out front, and I could tell by the sound that it did not belong to any of our neighbors. I looked out the window. A car with a light on top had stopped in the middle of the street, and a man with a flashlight was talking to the driver. Then the man with the flashlight walked up the driveway of the house across the street and disappeared into the backyard. I could see the light from the flashlight bouncing off the trees. The man came back and talked to the driver of the car again. Then he walked toward our side of the street. I barked my, I have encountered an unusual situation, bark again, and Chuck reappeared, grumbling a bit. But when he saw the car, he got really interested. 
It's the RCMP, he whispered to me. I guess it was a policeman then. He had gone into the driveway between our house and the neighbors on the right. He shone his light all around. We watched him from the side window and then the deck window as he came into our yard by the big gate, shone his light left and right and went out the small gate on the other side. Then he checked out the backyard of our neighbor on the left. After that, we couldn't see where he went. I'm not sure what's going on, Chuck told me as he scratched my ears. But you let me know if anything else happens. I'm going back to bed. That was okay. Chuck understood the first law of dog and knew he could count on me to protect the family. So I stayed up all night, quietly patrolling the house, listening intently and looking out the windows. But nothing else happened. Finally, it got light out and eventually everyone got up for breakfast. It was clear from how late they got up and from what they were wearing that nobody was going to work or to school. It must be Saturday. Mr. Glatt rang the doorbell before we were finished breakfast. That was unusual, but, but he's a friend. He came in for coffee. Did you notice anything strange last night, he asked. He wasn't too interested in Chuck's report of the police with the car and the flashlight. Oh, that was probably after, he said, after I called them. He went on to explain that he had woken up in the night to go to the bathroom. Just as he was in the hall, someone opened the front door and came in. I guess we must have forgotten to lock the door, he said. Anyway, he didn't see who it was because the light from the street light was behind the person. The person picked up Mr. Glatt's laptop that was in its bag, just sitting on the bench in the hall. At that point, Mr. Glatt shouted and the person ran. Mr. Glatt ran too, out onto his driveway in his bare feet. But the person ran much faster because he had shoes. He also had Mr. Glatt's computer. He ran into the woods along the path at the corner and Mr. Glatt lost him. So I called the police, but they couldn't find him either. I f feel so stupid not locking the door and leaving my laptop right there. It's got a really important presentation on it, he said, shaking his head. Something I really need for Tuesday. There wasn't much we could do other than try to make Mr. Glatt feel better. I let him scratch my ears. Sometimes that's good for people and it calms them down. Mr. Glatt wasn't one of my people, but he's nice and he lives on our street, so I look after him a bit too. Everyone on our street looks out for each other. So after breakfast, Mr. Glatt went home and I took Chuck, Mara, and Alex out for a walk in the woods. We went along the road on the other side of Bald Hill and then headed down the trail toward the spring. We played Beer Hunter. I'm not sure how other families play Beer Hunter, but this is how we do it. People drive by on ATVs, drinking beer, and throwing the empty cans into the woods. Then we come along, and I nose along on each side of the trail, sniffing out the fresh empties. When I find one, I bark my, Beer Hunter, bark. Alex rushes over, shouts, Beer Hunter, as loud as she can, and scratches my ears. She stomps the can flat and puts it in a bag. Alex carries the cans home and puts them in a bin in the garage. And twice a year, Chuck takes all the flat cans down to recycling to get money that he spends on dog food. It's lots of fun. Chuck says he doesn't know why people throw cans in the woods all the time. We come by every week, and there are always fresh empties. Mara says not to worry too much and we should just consider the cans to be a renewable resource, whatever that means. So on this morning, we had already found five cans. I figured there should be another one around somewhere. People are so predictable. They often drink beer in groups of six. Then I smelled it, down off the trail to the left. I bounded past some fresh broken branches and down the slope. Then I stopped short. There was beer all right, a whole box of cans that had popped open. Some beer cans were split, 
and had poured their beer out onto the ground. There was a man on the ground who smelled of beer, too. He moaned and mumbled a bit. There was some other stuff strewn around. But the upside-down ATV on top of the man was really strange. Men are usually on top of the ATV, not the other way around. I barked, Beer hunter! And then, I have encountered an unusual situation. Mara, Chuck, and Alex came crashing down the hill. Oh my God, said Mara. He must have gone off the road, hit the log, and rolled over, said Chuck. Look at all the beer cans, said Alex. Chuck and Mara managed to roll the ATV off the man, but it must have hurt him because he made loud noises. Mara started doing first aid while Chuck called 911. Alex looked at all the stuff spread out on the ground. There's not only beer, she reported. There's a camera, a stereo, and a computer. Eventually, someone called Chuck back and told him the ambulance was near. We heard a motor in the woods, so Alex and I went up to the trail to direct them in. It was a police SUV with a policeman and an ambulance lady. We couldn't get the ambulance up the trail, she said. It's, it's down by the houses. So they checked out the ATV man, loaded him into the truck, and took him down to the ambulance. Then a police lady arrived with a camera and took pictures of everything. I was hoping they'd bring a police dog, but, but they didn't. So it turned out that the computer was Mr. Glatz. He got it back in time to do his presentation. And the stereo and the camera were from a house on Ponderosa. The next Saturday, we had our Walnut Crescent street party in Mr. Glatt's backyard. He got up and made a funny speech about how I was a clever dog who would help get his computer back. Then he gave me a hamburger off the barbecue. Well, that was a first. He also gave Chuck a bag of dog food for me and said that I wouldn't have to go beer hunting anymore. Mr. Glatt obviously did not know the third law of dog, which goes like this. Dogs must look after themselves, except where this conflicts with the first and second laws. <laughs> not go beer hunting. That little bag of dog food won't last forever. I have to look after myself. This has been a Timmet podcast in a series called On the Marge. Instrumental intro and exit are courtesy of Kate Weeks. If you would like more of these podcasts, check out the podcast website at timmet.ca slash podcasts. That's T-I-M-M-I-T dot C-A slash podcasts.